0: Today, on Bread for the Broken, with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Bread for the
1: psalm 139 was in existence when this letter was happening and when Jonah was serving God. And that psalm, along with all the psalms, they were a collection that they were very familiar with and they would read in the temple. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? That's a beautiful psalm, tremendous psalm. Even talks about, I can go out, I mean, into the depths of the sea. You can't get away from God.
0: What is God asking you to be obedient with? And do you feel like giving up? As you listen to today's message from Pastor James, he teaches you the importance of staying faithful to what the Lord's telling you to do. Just like Jonah couldn't quit on God, neither will you be able to. God desires to use you for his kingdom purposes. Pastor James encourages you that no matter how hard it gets, to keep persevering in your walk with the Lord. He promises that he'll be with you wherever you go. Now, here's Pastor James in the book of Jonah, chapter 1, with today's edition of Bread for the Broken.
1: going to start a new book today. We will be going through the book of Jonah, which we're pretty excited about. It's one of my favorite Old Testament books, classic book. Even if you don't know anything about the Bible, you probably know something about Jonah, right? So a guy who got swallowed by a giant fish or well, or whatever, kind of know the story, so to speak. But um, our goal is to work through this um, really cool letter and uh, just kind of see what truths we can glean from it and apply to our lives. And um, I don't know about you guys, but uh, we're all Jonas at one point in time within our lives, and uh, praise God that he never gave up on this guy. He never gives up on us. And so that's kind of cool. So if you don't mind, in your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Jonah. It's one of those ones that's kind of hard to find if you're not familiar with, uh, with where it's at. I know it's kind of towards the middle. Find Ezekiel. And then you go, just keep going, you know, to the right. And you'll hit Obadiah. And then Jonah's right after that. So... We uh, normally do like our Bible project videos and all that good stuff is like a good introduction to it, but I'm going to save that for the end, okay? So uh, just some history kind of stuff concerning Jonah. He's a prophet of God. He was a prophet who was active during the timeframe of Jeroboam II second. They were kind of experiencing some good prosperity, so to speak. His I mean, we have one reference concerning him that's Second Kings chapter 14, where he had prophesied to Jeroboam the about like, no, Lord's gonna bless you, like things are things are going really well. There were some other contradictory prophecies at that point in time too from some contemporaries of Jonah's that are saying, like, uh, listen, you're a wicked king, and he was. And the Lord's not pleased with you. <laughs> so you can imagine if you, if you put yourself in, you know, the, you got the northern tribes there. Things are going all right. Things are going pretty good and all that good stuff. And Jonah's got this fun, pleasant message that he's giving, you know, to the king and all that good stuff. And he's, he's probably like pretty, you know, kind of like a celebrity pastor, so to speak, at that point in time. Ye would be famous within, you know, within the kingdom of the northern kingdom up there. However, in the midst of ministry, in the midst of, you know, he's a prophet, he's receiving the word. That's what prophets do. They, they hear from the Lord, and then they communicate what the Lord has spoken. And at that point in time, there were some bad prophets and false prophets and all that good stuff. But, but Jonah was a prophet of God, so he would hear from God, and he would communicate to the people what he heard. That's his job. Not just his job, but that's his calling. Like, that was his calling in life. This is what you were supposed to do. And he did that until this day, until this story. He did it. He did his job. And he probably enjoyed success. And he enjoyed ministry. He enjoyed serving the Lord until this day. Because there was one day that we're going to read about in the story. And just so you know, Jonah more than likely is the guy who wrote this letter. Now that should change your whole perspective on this letter. Okay? Cuz I'll say that because we'll beat up on Jonah. But I appreciate this guy because he is writing after the story has already happened and he's very honest about himself. He's very honest about himself. This little letter is just so fascinating. It's amazing. I was going to read you guys. I I forgot my of course, you know you know me. I forget I'm losing something all the time. I made a mental note, I'm like, bring, because I have the message Bible, I don't know if you guys have one of those, Eugene Peterson, I know it's controversial, I get it, but Eugene Peterson is an amazing, was, he passed away, was an amazing guy, just an amazing guy, but he wrote this introduction to the book of Jonah, I'm sorry, Uh, it's sitting on the counter in my house, I can see it, I know exactly where it was, and I had that thing of like, don't forget to get that. And I got here, and I'm like, ah, I forgot. But he writes this intro to this book that is just absolutely amazing. The gist of that is basically this. We need a few friends in our lives who are like Jonah. Whether we like them or not, we need some people in our lives who are just like Jonah because they show us just how gracious and how merciful God is, okay? So the whole overall theme to this book, um, this is a mission of mercy, is what I would call the book of Jonah, a mission of mercy, to the Ninevites, yes. To the sailors on the boat, yes. To Jonah, absolutely. Because yeah, he's going to, you know, the Ninevites, there's going to be something that happens there. It's going to be pretty cool and amazing. But um, the one who needs mercy the most out of this entire story is Jonah himself. Is Jonah himself. And it's incredible what God does here. All right, so um, this is crazy. The, this uh, Jonah is like one of 14 books in the Old Testament that if you, you know, kind of reading the original language, it starts with and, which is not a way to start a letter. And, and you're like, well, wait, what? <laughs> what? Like, no, what happened? Your translation, I'm gonna read out New King James. Mine says now, right? That's how it starts the book. If you were writing a book and you started your book off with now or and, your publisher would be like, I'm sorry, but you need to change that because we don't know what you're talking about. We don't, where where are you coming from? But this is just how the book of Jonah starts. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, all right, saying, arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So here you go. This is Right, I mean, just right into it. Jonah just jumps right into this. So you understand, Jonah means dove. That's always a symbol of peace. It's a symbol of peace. He grew up in the Galilee region of Israel. Again, he was a prophet. He's the son of Amittai. Amittai means faithfulness or faithful to God is, is what that means. So his dad, faithfulness, faithful to God. Jonah, the dove, peace, All that good stuff, even symbolic of, you know, the dove's always kind of a symbolic of the the Holy Spirit and all this, just good stuff. Good name for a dad, good name for a son. He's a prophet serving in the ministry, and and the Lord's already been using him, and now the Lord shows up and is like, hey, Jonah, I got a job for you. I got a mission for you. And this is what really just kind of, it wrecks his life in the best way that he could ever have wished for word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it for their wickedness, and their wickedness, which is extreme, has come up before me. Little side notes on Nineveh. Nineveh was a city that was founded by Nimrod. Great name, right? Yeah. there's, I don't know of any Nimrods running around now. I mean, they may act like Nimrods, but I don't know anybody who's actually named that, because we don't name anybody that. We know him from Genesis, actually. So we were going through the book of Genesis. He came up in Genesis. This is a guy who founded the whole, you know, settled that whole Babylonian region, and, you know, just kind of just a, a hunter of men, basically, is, is what he was. But Nineveh was this great city established, and they're just known for their just wickedness, absolute wickedness. And they were an enemy to the nation of Israel at this moment in time. They were a threat to the northeast of about 500 miles away. Always a threat, especially to that northern kingdom. They would go in and they would totally obliterate whatever armies they were facing. Um, They would skin people alive. They would chop their heads off and build these little monuments outside of their city of just human skulls so that you knew when you're passing by that city, you better not mess with these guys. They, I mean, they, they devised all these crazy ways of just torturing people and wicked, absolutely just completely wicked. Some of the ones that you would think were the furthest away from the grace of God, like there's no way these people can have any sort of significant change or encounter with God. They're too wicked. And here God is, as Jonah, maybe Jonah's doing his morning devos. We don't know what's going on. We don't know the setting. We, we have no idea where this takes place. But the, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah saying this, speaking directly to Jonah. Hey, Jonah, you know Nineveh? Yeah? I need you to go up there. I got a message for him. And we're going to see his response, because his response is pretty significant. Verse 3, but, always good to pay attention to the buts of the Bible. I always remember John Corson saying that. Always pay attention to the buts of the Bible, okay? That's significant. But Jonah, the prophet of God, whose calling in life is to hear from God and to speak the word of God that was communicated to him by God Almighty, but Jonah arose. He got that part right. God said, Jonah, arise. He's like, all right, go to Nineveh. He's like, nope, see ya. I'm going this way. He arose. He got that part right. So maybe he was in bed. We don't know. But he arose to flee to Tarshish. From what? From the presence of God. Okay, this guy's having a crisis within his life, okay? Because if at any point in time you think you can run away from God, you're crazy you're crazy. Not in a bad way, in a normal way, because we all try to run and hide from God. This is the Garden of Eden type scenario. Adam and Eve ran from God. They hid from God. God Almighty, who created everything, who's omnipresent, sees it all. You can't hide from Him. You can't run from him. Psalm 139 was in existence when this letter was happening and when Jonah was serving God. And that psalm, along with all the psalms, they were a collection that they were very familiar with, and they would read in the temple. Psalm 139, where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? That's a beautiful psalm, tremendous psalm. Even talks about, I can go out, I mean, into the depths of the sea. You can't get away from god you cannot get away from god what jonah is doing here is he is resigning from his position he's resigning from his he's quitting he's quitting the ministry that's technically what he's doing here when he runs away from god and this calling and this job that god says you go to nineveh and communicate this message to them He he typed out his letter of resignation and submitted it to God and says, I'm done. I'm not your prophet anymore. I'm not your prophet. I'm not your God. You can't quit on God. You can't quit. No, you literally cannot quit on God. You can't. I know people who have resigned from ministry. You can't quit on God. He rejects your resignation letter every time. But it's too hard. I know. He knows. He knows. It's difficult. He, he'll ask you to do things that don't make sense. He'll ask you to do things that make you absolutely uncomfortable. He'll ask you to do things that you just don't even agree with. But you can't quit. You may say, no, I'm not gonna, what, you're not gonna be a Christian anymore? That's not an option. It's not an option. I'm sorry, I don't know where you stand theologically or anything, but Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You committed your life to him. That's a free gift of salvation. It is irrevocable. It is irrevocable. If he is truly your Lord and Savior, I'm sorry, but you can't quit on him. You can, and there is no such thing as a Christian who has no ministry. That's not even a thing. I love one of uh, the first things I saw when I visited Calvary, Houston, Houston. For a fusion conference, it's a leadership conference they do. They had on there, and I, I've seen it in other churches too, but they had on their little greeter card or something that said, Every member a minister. And I saw that, I'm like, That's exactly right. Yeah, we don't do membership here at Calvary Galveston. We, we don't have to. You're part of the body of Christ. Well, guess what? You're a member. You're a member. But every member is a minister. And you may be thinking, Well, I don't have a job. I don't have like, no, you're in the ministry. There's a calling on every one of our lives. And if if you're not sure exactly what that is, that's okay. That's understandable. Because maybe you haven't had an encounter like this yet where God has showed up in your life and says, hey, go here to these people and tell them this message. You may not have had that, that moment within your life, but I can tell you this. If you're a Christian, you are in the ministry, Matthew chapter 28 clarified that for all of us. There's a great commission put on each and every believer of Jesus. You go and you make disciples. That's your job. That's your calling. That's what you do. But Jonah hears the word, probably processes it a little bit, and understands for himself, this is like almost a type of um, suicide, so to speak, because he knows if he goes into this wicked city, which these are our enemies, if me as a Jew, a prophet of God, go to our enemies and deliver this message of mercy and this message of grace, what are my, what are my family going to think? What's Jeroboam going to think? What are all my contemporaries, my, uh, these other prophets, what are they going to think about me? I will become a national enemy because I'm going to our enemy to deliver the word of God. All this stuff is on the line for him. You have to understand that. And I have compassion for this guy because this is a difficult thing that God is asking him to do. There is a lot on the line for Jonah. But regardless of how difficult the task is, obedience is a must. When God calls you to do something and tells you to go, go to these people, say this thing, you have no option. It's best to just do it. I would label this chapter one, how not to end up in the fish's belly. That's what I would call this whole chapter, how not to end up in the fish's belly. Because I can promise you this, you might not be swallowed by a literal fish, but each and every one of us, that's, that's out there. God knows how to, you know, appoint whatever it may be to swallow you for a season to get you back on track where you need to be. And I can testify that I've been in that belly probably many times, more times than what I'm probably aware of, because I'm like, oh, you want me to do what? No, sorry, Lord. No, I can't. No, I I can't do that. He doesn't ask you because of your ability. He asks you because of his ability to work through you. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish. Um, So you understand, Nineveh, 500 miles roughly northeast Tarshish, what we believe and what's a common theory on that is that's on the the coast of Spain, 2,000 miles to the west. Jonah, go to Nineveh, 500 miles up this way, land. Jews hate the water. They hate the sea, okay? Just so you know, for most of them, they're like, especially the Mediterranean, because there are wicked storms that happen on there. I know there's fishermen in the Sea of Galilee and all that good stuff, but by and large, most of these guys didn't want to go on a boat. And they certainly didn't want to go out into the Mediterranean Sea. And they didn't want to leave their homeland. See, do you understand what's going through his heart and his mind? That he would be willing, what's your end game, Jonah? You're going to go to Tarshish. You're going to go 2,000 miles on a boat through a, a, a sea that has been known for its storms to live where? On the coast of Spain. I'm sure it's Beautiful. I hear the paella is amazing, but come on, dude. Like, you're going to sacrifice your family and everything to what? To run away and to disappear where you don't know anybody? You're going to hide. And you're hiding from God. You're really hiding from your friends and your family. Jonah, what's your end game? Are you going to just hang out there for a while until it just passes, and then maybe I can go back home? He goes, he's going to flee. He says, he's the one writing this letter. He himself says, I got up to run to Tarshish. Why? Because I was fleeing from God. I love his honesty. And then notice the progression here. He arose to flee to Tarshish. And then from there on, anytime you run away away from God, I can tell you this, your steps are always going to be down. They're always going to be down. He went down to Joppa. It's a port city there in Israel, beautiful little town. And he found a ship. It just so happens that he found a ship that was there going to Tarshish. Listen, you need to understand that. Sometimes when you're going against the will of God, things will work in your favor. Do not be surprised by that. Sometimes we think like, well, if I'm going against the will of God, then nothing will work out. And there will always be stuff in the way to keep me from that. No, no. There's always going to be a ship selling to Tarshish in your life when you're running from God. There's always going to be a ship. There will always be. It's up to you and whether or not you're going to hop on the thing. But I tell you this, you will pay the price. You will pay the price. There's always a fee to pay. And that's what he does. He found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare, the fare for a 2,000-mile journey on this boat. This isn't a luxury cruise. This isn't like the Port of Galveston, the Disney cruise that's going out or anything. It's not that. This is not that. This is a cargo ship, right? This isn't a luxury liner, like with a nice dining facility and all-you-can-eat buffet and all that good stuff. Like, no, that's not. These are just sailors with cargo headed back to Spain on a very, very long journey. There's no motor, right? I mean, you're totally dependent upon nature, element, the, the wind, currents, and all that stuff. You're not getting there fast. You're not getting there fast. But he pays the fare. He was willing to pay the price. And then what? Look, it says again, he went down into it, into the hole of the ship. To go with him to Tarshish for, again, for what? To flee to Tarshish from the presence of God, as if God's not in Tarshish. How narrow-minded this little man was, as if God is only in Israel. And unfortunately, that's how a lot of these guys thought. Yes, God's blessing was on the nation of Israel, still is. Genesis chapter 12, the nation of Israel was supposed to be a blessing to the Gentiles. We saw that in Abraham's life. That was repeated multiple times. Sometimes we as believers, Christians, can get into that mindset as well. Like, well, no, God is only here with us. No, he's not. No, he's not. No, well, God is only has his blessing on America. and is No, that's not true at all. That's not true at all. We ne- may we never be so narrow-minded Think think like we somehow had the monopoly on the presence of God. We don't. We always pray, and you'll hear it when we're praying to, to start the service and all that stuff. Lord Jesus, we want you present with us. But that doesn't mean that he's only gonna be here. Praise God that he's not limited to one building or one facility. No, he's, the Lord is, is just as he was present there in the nation of Israel, He's probably present in, in Tarshish as well. Just meaning this, there's just nowhere on this planet that you can run to get away from the presence of God. You can't. Jonah is a prophet of God. <laughs> If anybody would have known this, it was going to be him. But see, when sin creeps into your life, and that's exactly what he's doing. What he's doing is sin. He is sinning against God. I'm not going to sugarcoat it. We're not gonna be, No, he is absolutely in rebellion against God. God said, Jonah, get up and go deliver this message. And he said, no. That's sin. He's disobeying God. That is sin. And anytime you tell God, no, I'm going to tell you right now, you are sinning against God. So don't do it.
0: Thanks for joining us today on Bread for the Broken with Pastor James as we journey through the book of Jonah. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more from Pastor James, you can visit our website at breadforthebroken.com. Just click on the Teachings tab. There you'll find a variety of verse-by-verse Bible-based teachings. Maybe you're like Jonah and you're wrestling with the call that God has on your life. Or maybe you've been running from God and you're ready to come home. We'd love to walk alongside you and encourage you in your faith. As believers in Jesus, we're called to gather together and pray, encourage, and help one another through life. This is what we believe at Bread for the Broken and Calvary Galveston, the church behind this ministry. If you're looking for a new church home or simply someone to connect and pray with, we'd love to be that person or people for you. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we'd love to have you come visit. We meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. for a time of worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere at Calvary Galveston is relaxed, so feel free to come just as you are. For more information, please visit breadforthebroken.com. We'd love to connect with you too, so please drop us a note and let us know how you heard about Bread for the Broken and how we can be praying for you. Just visit our church website at breadforthebroken.com and click on the contact tab to fill out our form. Thanks for listening to today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.